Welcome back to the Bearded Guy Podcast. Now, we can't really have a Halloween series without discussing witches. And I've tried to think of all the different aspects of Halloween, from its origins and traditions, you know, of this season, to all the things that people associate with this spooky, fun time of year. Now, much like the jack-o'-lantern, witches are a mainstay at Halloween. And the subject of witches and witchcraft is so varied and so broad that it makes me want to preface this episode by saying, I understand there are many different types of what is commonly referred to as a witch. And because of the possibility of offending a certain group or certain people, you know, I wanted this episode to be merely just for entertainment purposes and surface information at best. Now, as always, the information presented here on this podcast is just to stir up your curiosity and get you headed down the path of your own truth. So if you have something you want to add to or feel that there are corrections that need to be made to this episode, please send them to me at beardedguypodcast at gmail.com. I'd really enjoy hearing from you about this subject. And with that being said, let's jump into another episode of Halloween. It's that time of year again. Witches have a, have a long history in our existence. I mean, so much so that the references to witches are found in the Bible. In the books of Micah, 1 Samuel, Leviticus, Revelation, Isaiah, and more, I mean, there are verses that speak to the condemnation of witchcraft and necromancy. Now, if you don't know what necromancy is, it's the practice of communicating with the dead to divine the future. So in the context of the Bible, I'm not, I'm not sure if these were witches in the classic sense, uh, you know, as we've come to know them over the years, or if it's a general term given to a group that were considered outside the norm of Christianity. It is interesting, though, that the mention of them is varied and repeated throughout the Old Testament. Now, in all instances, the verses are meant to condemn the evils of witchcraft which at the time was associated with Satan and demonic influence on the human race. Of course, witches have their place in other legends and lore throughout history, and one of the old world legends is that of the old hag syndrome, or night hag, or just the hag. Now, the old hag is a witch of sorts that visits in the night to steal the energy and life from her victims. And she's said to be a witch who has died, sort of, and she travels between the living world and that of the dead. Now, the old hag visits her unsuspecting victims in the middle of the night, sits on their chest, rendering the victim unable to move and unable to breathe, and it is said that she is stealing the breath and the life from the unfortunate person caught in the grip. We'll explore that phenomenon in a, in a future episode. So I guess the question is this, what is considered a witch proper, and how do you know a witch when you see one? And do they really practice dark, evil magic, or is it something less sinister and merely harmless? I mean, that argument could go either way depending on your beliefs. But I think my personal thought is that if you frame it and try to understand that there is both good and evil and a dark side to everything in this life, it gives you a better balance uh, of perspective for subjects like this. 
Like everything else, to get a better understanding of a thing, you have to go back to the beginning of a thing. And it's the same way with witches and witchcraft. Now, the foundation for witches and witchcraft is based in what is known as paganism. And pagan religions go back to early human history before Christianity. You know, in the original Latin, it was called paganus, and it was termed so at the end of the Roman Empire. And anyone who practiced a religion other than Christianity was said to have been practicing a pagan religion. But really, you know, it's, it's a little bit mis- misleading to call paganism a religion proper. And I'm sure there are some people that will completely disagree with that statement. But you know, that statement has some merit. And it's not used in a disrespectful or derogatory way or demeaning in any sense of the word. By all accounts, it is a religion that is loose in structure. Now think about religion as we know it in the Christian perspective. Everything is structured and ordered to be a certain way. More times than not, in the pagan religions or the pagan practices of religion, it it follows no set of rules, it has no definitions, and it has no authority structure. So to me, it seems like it is a do-as-you-feel way of life and worship. Of course, there is some sort of structure to it, but the structure is based on the individual or a group of like-minded individuals within certain groups and not the masses. In all honesty, let's be truthful with ourselves. We all do this, even in the Christian religion. We, we cherry-pick. We take bits and pieces of, I don't want to worship that way. I don't want to believe that way. I don't want to pray that way. I don't want to do this that way. We cherry-pick, and what we do is we end up making a hodgepodge of a lot of different aspects of the same religion. And it's no different than, than paganism in that respect. Now, although they are varied in makeup, there are some similarities between each, and, and the big one is the belief in Mother Earth, that she is the mother, and all things are together with her, and everything comes from her and returns to her. There's also the, the common understanding that animals and man are in kind to each other because they are of the divine. And to them there are no messiahs, but there are lesser gods and goddesses. Now, with all these differences that present themselves within pagan religions, it's easy to confuse the truths about the ins and outs of each particular set of worship traditions, beliefs, and practices. And in my humble opinion, you know, those parts of this story are better left to the experts to explain, those who actually practice paganism. So how do we define what a witch actually is? The simple answer is this. It depends on who you ask. I mean, it gets confusing really fast. We know that anything that falls outside of the social norm of Christianity proper is considered paganism. And we also know that paganism brings with it many variations of beliefs and practices. Now, one of the beliefs and practices that has a place in paganistic practices is witchcraft, which is practiced by witches in one form or the other. See, even within the the witch community, if you will, there are a lot of divisions and a lot of different meanings of what a witch actually is. Now, witchcraft itself, by definition, is the use of sorcery or magic and communicating with the devil or a familiar, which is a spirit. But using that definition to try and categorize witches and the use of witchcraft into one neat little group is a really tough proposition for anybody. And it's simply because there are so many variants that muddy the waters on this subject. The problem is this. With as many different cultures as we have in the world, there are no set rules or consistent patterns of belief. 
more times than not, witchcraft is really just a blend of religion, magic, folklore, sorcery. So basically, there is no right or wrong way to do this. And it seems to boil down to this, how a person or a group of people believe and choose to practice the craft. So to further unwrinkle your mind on this subject, add to the fact that there are still different types of witches and practices within each type. And it gets even more confusing for those of us on the outside of this religion. And I really thought Christianity was tough to keep up with. <laughs> so when we come back from this short break, we're going to look at the different types of witches. And it won't be an exhaustive study of the different types because there are so many. So after this short break, we're going to get into that. So stick around. So you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to begin to make your dream podcast a reality. Well, there is a way to get your idea out to a listening audience. It's fast, simple, and it's one-stop shopping for all of your podcasting needs. It's Anchor.fm. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. And Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right from your phone or computer. No fancy software needed. Anchor's creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so that your end result is professional sounding and ready to share with the world. Also, at no cost to you, they'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and more. Also, you can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome back. So I got a question for you. What's the first image that comes to your mind when you hear the word witch? Is it a pointy black hat, long crooked nose, green or pale skin, and a cackling laugh as she rides through the night on a trusty broomstick? I mean, you were thinking about it just like I did. I mean, it's normal for that image to pop up in your mind. Because really, that's how Hollywood and children's storybooks paint the picture of this well-known character. Look, we all remember Dorothy trying to get to the wizard so she could go home, and all along the way, the evil and horrible Wicked Witch of the West was there to stop her. The classic scene in the movie comes from the adaptation of L. Frank Baum's novel, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. And he also went on to write 13 other novels in the Oz series. Now, of course, these stories were written primarily for children, but his descriptive text outlined the character styling of the movie adaptation, The Wizard of Oz. And I believe this classic movie masterpiece went a long way to solidify how we romanticize the image of what a witch should look like. You know, I always remember feeling uneasy as a child. Every time she made her screen entrance during the movie, there was smoke everywhere. There were munchkins running to get away. And she was ranting about glass slippers and trying to hinder Dorothy's efforts to get to the wizard. And those freaking flying monkeys, they really scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. You know, over the years, Hollywood has portrayed witches in a variety of ways, from creepy, silly, and even cringeworthy offerings to feed our imaginations. But I don't think Hollywood does this topic justice. I mean, not that this, you know, episode is going to offer any groundbreaking or I didn't know that information about the subject of witches, but I do hope to shed some light on at least some of the different types of witches that, you know, we recognize today. Now, we all know the two major categories of witches, right? There are white magic witches and black magic witches, right? No, you would be dead wrong if you said that to someone. 
There are no white magic or black magic magic witches. It's completely made up, and it's possibly made up to, to make those outside of the practice feel good about the subject. Now, black magic itself involves the worship of evil, and evil belongs to Satan. And according to those who profess to be witches, there is no such thing as Satan. But why do they not believe in Satan? It's because he is a creation of the Christian belief, a belief system that they don't recognize. Now, there are, however, many different types of witches, and the practices of each are varied based on the type or category that they fall into. Now, some of those are the following. There's elemental. They honor the four elements, earth, water, fire, and air, and some even honor the fifth element, which is the spirit. There's ceremonial, combining both witchcraft and ceremonial magic. There's eclectic, picking and choosing from many different traditions to worship as they see fit. Green, using places in nature. Hedge witch, earth-based in their spirituality. Hereditary, taught the old ways and practices that are handed down through the generations. Water, weather and water. Appalachian or granny witches. Now this one is especially interesting to me, and I think we're going to explore this one specifically on another episode. Now that's just a that's just a general short list, and it's not complete by any means. But it does offer some insight into the fact that just because someone identifies as a witch, that they don't all have the same belief or system of practice. I don't think there's a Wicked Witch of the West category. Not that I've found so far. Now, according to um, the Wiccan religion, there is a fundamental code that witches live by, and the code comes from the Wiccan read. And the code is this, And ye harm none, do what you will. Now, the wording of co- this code, of course, has been modified and changed over the years, and one of the ap- adaptations that you will hear is, Do what you will, so long as it harms no one. You know, no matter the phrasing of the code, the essence and meaning is the same. Harm no one. From what I can see, the practice of witchcraft or being a witch is not the evil thing that it's made out to be uh, in Hollywood and in books and in other media outlets. I think it's just people trying to find something that they believe in and that they can latch on to. And that's what witches and witchcraft is. I mean, at its essence... And I know that I've only scratched the surface of this topic. There's so much more that goes into this, and there's so many so many different aspects of it. But I hope I've stirred your curiosity just enough to, to make you want to research a little bit more and base your own truth on your research. As a part of the Halloween series of episodes I've been doing, I've been asking you, the listening audience, to send in your spooky or scary stories or your odd experience that you've had to be read as a part of one of the episodes. And one of our listeners, Kathy, has sent in just such a story. And she titled it, What Made Me Believe in the Spirit World? I was either 9 or 10, and my best friend at the time lived in a house next to the apartment complex that I called home. Her family always seemed to have litters of kittens that they would raise and end up giving away. There was a screened-in area on the back of the house. It was a painted concrete slab with chairs at the far end, and against one wall of the house, a table. And on that table was a dollhouse. It was one of those half houses that was open so you could see into the rooms and be able to set up the dolls and the furniture. And the kittens used to crawl into the rooms and knock the furniture onto the floor. There was a window to the right of the table where you could look into the living room of the house. 
Her older brother had always teased us that the house was haunted, but we figured it was just him being a brat. Being the cat person, I still am, I always went to her house after school and played with the kittens. One afternoon, I was standing at the table pulling kittens out of the dollhouse rooms and putting the furniture back in when I felt like I was being watched. I turned around to see my friend walking out the screened-in door of the porch and into the yard chasing a kitten. I thought maybe it was her brother, but he wasn't home from whatever after-school sport he was involved with at the time. So I turned back to the dollhouse and started concentrating on the kittens. Then something moved to my right. I looked up into the window of the living room and saw a brown figure in the shape of a human standing there. There were no features, just black spots where the eyes should be. It was just standing, staring at me. I screamed and ran out into the backyard. I told her what I had seen and then neither of us would go back into the house until her parents got home. Now there were a couple of more unexplained occurrences in that house. The attic fan would turn on and off on its own. Shells would fall out of the bookcases and we would hear voices, stuff like that. But I never saw the figure again. Kathy, thank you for taking the time to write that out and send it to us. I do appreciate it. That's that's awesome. It was good to read your story for everyone to hear. So I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you've enjoyed all the episodes in the Halloween series. And October is still going strong. We've got a lot more creepy stuff to get to dealing with the fun time of year, the spooky, scary Halloween. And I hope you join me for those episodes, and I hope that you get some entertainment value from each and every new episode. And if you got a spooky or scary story like Kathy, please send it to me at beardedguypodcast at gmail.com. Beardedguypodcast at gmail.com. You know, I do appreciate each and every listener that takes time out of their day to stop by and give us a listen. You know, I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear your thoughts about this podcast, what you think, what we could improve upon, you know, what we, what we could do better. Feedback is always important, and I'd love to hear from you, the listening audience. So I do appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I appreciate you coming by. And it's always my hope that you have a great day and a wonderful week ahead of you. And until next time.